praise the Lord, everybody. Come on, praise the Lord, everybody. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a round of applause tonight. Hallelujah. Amen. He's ready to be praised. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We welcome everyone tonight to our Wednesday evening Bible study. So glad to have everyone in the house of God tonight. Amen. Our online congregation, we welcome you tonight. Amen. We pray whatever you're doing tonight, make it be unto the Lord. Can you do me a favor tonight? Can we sacrifice about 45 minutes for the Lord tonight? That's all I'm asking. 45 minutes. Amen. You, you, you don't know the difference it makes when we sacrifice. Our, our spiritual journey prior, um, Monday through Friday, whenever I get the chance to sacrifice, you know, for at least a good 45 minutes to an hour, it, it does something to me. I don't know about you or for those of us that are involved in it, but it does something to us. And whenever we can just put aside, you know, my clock program to go off that time every morning, Monday through Friday, and whenever it goes off, sometimes I try to snooze it, but then I try not to because I may hear the, go, the snooze going off and then I might try to ignore it. But I try to uh, uh, make it myself to get out of the bedroom, get downstairs where I can find somewhere just to sacrifice few minutes for the Lord. And it's an honor. So I am encourage all of us that are not yet joining, able to experience what's going on Monday through Friday in our spiritual journey. We're encouraging you to join us Monday through Friday at 5 a.m. Amen. Amen. We're going to pray tonight. Ask the Lord's will to be done in our Bible study tonight. Ask Him to bless us, be with us. Let His anointing be upon the man of God as He come to teach to us, preach to us. Whatever the Lord led on, lay on His heart tonight, He's going to talk to us tonight. Amen. And that the Lord will have His way in our service tonight. So if there's any special prayer request, anyone need prayer, you can raise your hand. A few hands going up. Look around to the hands that are praying. Amen. The hands are going up. We're going to pray, touch and agree that the Lord will have His way in our studies tonight. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer as we pray tonight. Father God, we love you. We thank you for this another privilege you have given unto us to be in your presence tonight. For in your presence there is fullness of joy. And at his right hand there are pledges forevermore. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercies, Lord God. As the scripture said, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Father God, we thank you for this privilege that you have given us where we can come before you, Lord God. Oh God, to worship you in the beauty of holiness. Oh God, another scripture said, Oh good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Father God, we ask you to unify us tonight like never before, Lord God. We ask you, Lord God, that you move upon us individually, collectively, Lord God. I pray and ask you to forgive us for every sins, all the sins that we have committed in your sight today, knowingly and unknowingly, Lord God. We ask you to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, cleanse us from all filthiness, oh God. We ask you to purge us, wash us and help us to be whiter than snow, creating us, oh God, a clean heart and renew a right spirit within us, Lord God. Father God, we love you, we adore you, we magnify your name, we lift up your name. For the name of the Lord is a strong and mighty tower. The righteous run into it and they are saved. Father God, we thank you for this privilege. We thank you, Lord God, for this opportunity. We thank you for being so good to us, Lord. Father God, as we pray, Lord God, for service tonight, we ask you, Lord God, to touch every hand that raised tonight, Lord God, whatever their needs are. Oh God, if it's spiritual, physical, emotional,
physically or financially. Oh God, we trust in the God that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above that which we ask of things. And Father God, as we come in no other name, but in the name of Jesus, Lord God, we thank you, oh God, for keeping us. Lord God, we thank you in advance for what you're about to do tonight. We ask you, Lord God, to bless every aspect of the service tonight. That's our praise singers individually and collectively, Lord. We ask your anointing upon the man of God as he ministered the words tonight. I pray you will use him like never before, oh God. Pour into him, oh God, your spirit. Oh God, that will be blessed tonight, Lord God. We pray for our online congregation, oh God, that you will touch them tonight, Lord God. Whatever their needs are tonight, we ask you, Lord God, to meet them. Oh God, we ask you to continue to send our souls from the east, the west, the north, and the south, Lord God. We ask you, Lord God, to pour out your spirit upon all of us that is here in this place, those that are on the way. We ask you, Lord God, to touch them. Oh God, move upon us like never before. We ask you, will to be done tonight among us, oh God. Oh God, we come before your presence tonight. Oh God, lifting up all your hands to worship you, Lord God. Have your way tonight, Lord God. It's not my will, oh God, but thy will be done. Let your will be done in this place tonight, oh God. We give you all the glory. We give you all the honor as we worship you in the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. And can we just give the Lord another round of applause as we continue to worship the Lord in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Let's continue to worship the Lord Jesus tonight. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We bless your name, O God. Hallelujah. There is nothing worth more. That could ever come close. No thing can compare. You're our living hope. Your presence, Lord. I've tasted and seen of the sweetest of love. Where my heart becomes free and my shame is undone. Your presence, Lord. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the Your glory, God, is what I 
I guess I've, I've seen it, and um, what, what's been interesting to me is when I first got into the church in the 90s, um, we made it, we didn't play around. It was out front what you had to do to be a part of ministry, and everybody was trying to be a part of ministry. And here we are, fast forward in 2023, and nobody wanted to be a part of ministry. And I'm saying, what is that, Lord? You know, why were we going crazy to be a part of ministry back in the day? And now today, people are like, I'm good. Y'all go ahead and do your thing. I don't need to be a part of that. And so I don't know what happened. And I'm not going to try to play psychologist. I'll let the Lord work that out. Amen. But it's good to see everybody that is here tonight. Amen. Hallelujah. You came out on a Wednesday night. <laughs> Amen. And we know during the, um, during the school season, it's, it's, it's important that we get things lined up and get it in order. It's going to take a lot of organizing by us parents um, to make sure, you know, we keep our young people, our children on their schedule. Um, For some of you that are in college, I see two of you in here tonight, that you are already a part of your schedule. You got to own that thing and manage that thing real good because that's probably one of the things about college that is underrated and that is how much it pushes you to become grown up. And um, grown up mean you have to make your own decisions and you have to do things that you need to do when nobody is telling you you have to do it. So Sister Mariah... You know, it, you know, when you're on your own and you feel like sleeping in, you're going to have to make that big decision. Do I just sleep in and catch up on that class some other time or do I get up and go to class? And so those are some of the things that is underrated when you go off to college to kind of really realize that it's also teaching. You're not only learning educationally, but you're learning about life. You have to learn how to budget. You have to learn how to be responsible. And so there's a lot going on there that college offer um, that is really good. So we have to get a lot tighter with our organization uh, skills as the school year starts out because we all have to contribute to how that all flow. Amen. You may be seated. We have um, been studying, um, well, well, we've been talking about uh, relationship with the Lord and what difference does his presence make? So, you know, relationship, you know, real relationship that uh, we need to have with the Lord. And, and that real relationship would, will require us experiencing God's presence. Uh, a lot of people like to say, oh, I know God. But if you know God and haven't really experienced his presence, you might need to know him just a little bit more than what you say you know him as. And so we want to talk some more tonight about those things, about, you know, our relationship with God and how that works with his presence working in our life. And so we want to continue in that because relationship um, is very important. And I've talked about that uh, quite a bit. It's always been a big part of uh, my ministry where I share with you that this, this thing is about relationship. No matter how you slice it and dice it, it's all about relationship. And all of the relationship are interconnected. And um, I have to be honest with you and tell you, um, there are relationships that 
you know, they kind of were severed in different ways or different situation came about and the relationship is not the way you would like it to be. But the hope is as a child of God, as we surrender our life to God and the more we live for God, the more we will aspire to get that relationship on the right track. God is a God of reconciliation. And so if we are his children, then we need to be children of reconciliation. He has given us the ministry uh, of reconciliation. And so reconciliation should be at high priority for us. So we want to make sure we have right relationship with God and then right relationship with each other. That's very important if we plan to make it to heaven. Psalms 27. Psalms 27. Verse number four, the scripture says, one thing have I desired of the Lord. One thing have I desired of the Lord. He says, that will I seek after. So he didn't get to the thing that he desired yet. He said, one thing have I desired of the Lord that it's almost like a continuation that will I seek after. So he has a desire from the Lord that he will seek after. Uh, and here's the desire, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. So Paul's desire, Paul, <laughs> David's desire is that he may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of his life and to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Verse 5, he went on to say, For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion, in the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me up on a rock, and now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. And so... I'm going to talk to you a little bit tonight on this topic. One great desire. One great desire. David, who is the author, well, the writer of this passage of scripture, Almighty God is the author of the Bible. Man writes what God says. And so David, who was the writer of this passage of scripture was writing from his personal experience and his intimate relationship with the Lord. If you notice, none of what you read there, you heard him say, the Lord says, thus saith the Lord. So David was writing from his personal experience and his intimate relationship with the Lord. David stated that his desire is and that which he will do. He then expressed his expectation of the Lord. 
he further went on to say what he would do or what he would do according to the Lord's response. But all he stated was birth from a place of personal experience and intimate relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so let me start here by just saying this tonight. We have to develop our own relationship with God and have our own personal experience with God. Too often we live on the basis of what we read and that's great or what someone else did or what someone else experienced and we can't talk about what the Lord has done in our life. What is our personal experience? How will we declare anything of God if we haven't had any experience with God? And so oftentimes we stay away from God. If you stay away from God, you won't have experiences with God. And you have to be okay with understanding that in being in the presence of God, in seeking the Lord, in seeking uh, intimate relationship with God, there are going to be some things that will happen and we have to be okay with those things that happen. They're just there to be almost like a stepping stone for us to have a certain kind of experience with God. And so we need experiences with God so we can know and declare some things for ourselves and not just declare things because we read it or not just declare things because, well, that happened for so-and-so and so we're declaring it too. I am not telling you what you read won't happen. I'm not telling you that what happened for so-and-so won't happen to you. But there is a big difference when you have experienced something with the Lord and then you can now say one thing have I desired Uh huh. when you begin to say I know that when the Lord does what he would do I will praise him and worship him so we got to know some things about God for ourselves, not according to what we've read and what someone else told us we got to know it which means we're going to have to spend time with God we got to spend time with the Lord it can't just be the whole, you know, coming to the building. And, and we need to do that. I'll talk about that. But we have to get to a place where we're in relations with the Lord. One of the things where you will get to do that is while you're going about your day, whether it's working on your job, whatever you're doing, just talking to the Lord in your mind, talking to the Lord in your heart, just going aside, whether it's going to sit in your car, whether it's when you go to the restroom, just talk to the Lord, ask him questions. But we need relationship with God so we can develop experiences with God. If you ought to go back and, and, and give a testimony of experiences that you had with the Lord, what would that sound like? Would that be a, 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 a testimony that somebody would be encouraged by because of your testimony of your experience with the Lord? Let me tell you this. We as humans have our own selfish or even our own societal uh, pursuit. We have things we like to pursue, right? And so 
all of us in here, I would assume that we have pursued something that we felt like was important to us, whether it was a dream or a strong desire or something. We have things that we pursued because we felt like that was necessary. And so with what David was saying, he was telling us what he wanted to pursue. (laughs) Listen, Humans have always pushed the limits of our abilities in pursuit of our dreams and our desires. We have. JFK dreamed of a man on the moon, and in just eight years after he issued the challenge for the first time, a small step for man became a giant leap for mankind. That was his dream his desire, he communicated it, and it was soon fulfilled because he pursued it. Hmm. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. had a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. From MLK dream, the wall of prejudice began to crumble. We still have a long way to go, but MLK got the ball rolling. That was his dream. I had a dream. And so I thought about that to say David had a desire. Plenty of people in our society, in our world, have desires, have dreams, and they pursued it. And so when we stand before God, what would we tell him that we pursued that was important. Life is a process of simplification. Life is a process of simplification, especially in this hour that we're living in. The many things that we desire as a youth dwindle or rather blend into one dominant desire as we become mature. Think about it. When we were young, we had all these desires. I want to do this, I want to do that, I want to do this, I want to do that. And, and, and a lot of times, a lot of times why we never make significant impact in our families in our lives, and in society is because we have all these desires and it's hard to pursue a whole lot of stuff. If we will simplify life and say, this is what I will pursue, I think life will be a whole lot different. The outcome of life will be a whole lot different for many of us if we would just narrow down our pursuit and stop pursuing all these things. Mm-hmm. 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 The question today or tonight should I ask is what is in your heart? What is your desire in your heart? Right now, you don't, there's no wrong answer about this. You don't have to make up stuff right now. But just ask yourself right where you are right now. What is my desire right now? What is the main desire that is in my heart right now? Be honest. Can't lie to God anyway. So if you're reasoning within your mind about that, you're reasoning with God, not me, because I don't know what's in your heart. But God knows what's in your heart. David told us what it was 
he had in his heart when he exclaimed, One thing have I desired. It was to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of his life, to observe his beauty and to inquire in his temple. Translated into modern speech, that means the one thing for which I long for above all others is to seek after the Lord that I may live in his manifested presence. And I love to use that word today, manifested presence, because God's presence is everywhere. But when God's presence is manifested in our life, it's a whole different ball game. We know God is everywhere, and some of us, we just say it, we're not even sure. But when God's presence manifests in your life, in your situation, then there you can testify about the presence of the Lord. Uh-huh. David wanted to have access to get answers to all his questions and that nothing his enemy would try to do would prevail against him. And David made the statement that with all of that, I will praise the Lord with my whole heart. I will sing praises unto him. And so David laid this thing out about what he has desired, what he expected of the Lord, and what he would do. But it was easy for him to get to those points because he wasn't talking about a whole lot of stuff. He was talking about one thing. One thing. And we address a whole lot of stuff. We talk about a whole lot of stuff. David was just talking about one thing. Can I tell you this? What the Lord Jesus is to you will determine how you live your life. That hit me hard. That hit me hard. You know, you're studying, you're reading, you're praying over what you're doing, and God throws some things in there along with what you're studying. And this is what the Lord threw in there with me as I'm studying, that what you think of the Lord Jesus Christ will determine how you live your life. David made that statement of the one thing, but we all know what David is like. So that's why he made that declaration. That's why he said what he said, because the Lord was everything to David. We know that if you study David's life, David did not care what people thought about him as he praised and worshipped his God. We know that there was a statement David made that if he had a choice of 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 having uh, life itself or 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 being in the hands of the Lord, uh, David says, "I would rather God than life itself." Because David realized that God is almighty. He is the giver of life, the possessor and keeper of everything. And David said, if I'm with you, I'm not worried about anything else. So David have taught us something significant that if you have Jesus, you don't worry about nothing else. But we have to come to the place to understand and say to ourselves, what does the Lord mean to me? What would be my declaration as I see the Lord, as I determine to serve the Lord, as I determine to live for the Lord? What declaration will I make because of my experience and my desire of the Lord? David desired to permanently abide in the house of God. 
<laughs> he desired intimacy with the Lord and up close abiding spiritual communion with the Lord. The beauty of the Lord is that display of his presence and perfections which is revealed to the mind of true worshipers. David realized something that if you really wanted to commune with God, if you really wanted to get an up close with God, if you really wanted experiences with God, you had to be a worshiper. And if you look through scriptures, when you see David, God was everything to him. And he worshiped God like probably nobody else that's in scripture. The Bible teaches us when you look up the word worship, it means the worship of God to you. So whatever God is worth to you is how you will pursue him, is how you will deal with him. Whatever his value is to you is how you will pursue him. So what kind of value do you put on God? What kind of value that you see when you see God, when you read God's word, when you live for God? What is the value that you hold so dear to you? The value. So the value is important. And David understood that, and David was a worshiper. David believed that there in the house of God, he would hear from God and serve him. So David, uh, he believed that if I, if I can just live in the house of the Lord, if I can just abide in the house of the Lord forever, if I can just be in his presence, and guess what David says, if I can just hear from God, if he will give me instructions, I will know that that's just the best place for me to be, but I need to be in the house of God, is what it came down to for David. The house of the Lord was important to David. He needed to be in the house of the Lord. Now, that is interesting to us today that there's a contrast there. If you compare David's desire, David's desire to many Christians today, compare that. David's desire to us Christians today. What a contrast this is to those of us who occasionally visit the house of the Lord. Or those of us who go to the house of the Lord when our schedule is clear. Those of us who show up with the wrong motives. Uh huh. No intent to, to provide service unto the Lord. Or even some of the young children, they have to be forced to go into the house of the Lord. They're not eager to come to the house of the Lord. Parents have to make them come. But look at what David says. David says he desired to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of his life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. David loved going to the house of the Lord. David loved to be in the house of the Lord. And today we have the house of the Lord that we can go to and it's no big deal to us. What a contrast between so many Christians and David. David knew something about God that many of us don't know. But if we will take a page out of David's book and say, David, if that's how you got called... If you, you've been called the man after God's own heart, and if God called you that, I want God to call me that too. So I'm going to take a page out of your book and make the house of God be that valuable and that important to me. 
Now, I know what some of you are saying. David didn't have a nice church like we got. And the, the, the temple wasn't built yet when he said that. And then you're also saying, yeah, but you know what? God dwells in us now. The Holy Spirit dwells in us now. And that's great. And that's wonderful. And so that's cool. So the question is, since the Holy Spirit dwells in us, does that mean we don't come to the house of the Lord anymore? Does that mean that we can neglect the house of the Lord because the spirit of the Lord dwell in us? Does that mean that? Uh, I don't believe many of us understand going to and abiding in the house of the Lord, the importance of going to the house of the Lord. But let me tell you, no matter how much we're filled with God's spirit, no matter how much the Holy Ghost is inside of us, there is a significant difference to us coming together in the house of the Lord than me and you having the Holy Ghost and worshiping in our house and worshiping in our car and worshiping wherever when we come together full of the Holy Ghost in the house of God something different begins to happen because God will always keep the principle of we need to go into the house of God and we have the opportunity to go in the house of God and I believe we need to take advantage of it in the house of the Lord his house is uplifting I don't know about you, but I come in the house of God, and no matter what's going on, I just feel like this is good. It could be nobody in here, and I just walk in, I say, yeah, I'm in the house of the Lord. <laughs> it just put a smile on my face, yeah, I'm in the house. It don't take anybody else, but it gets even better when other people start to come in, and they feel the same way. Oh, yeah, I'm glad I'm in the house of the Lord, because God will always... Uh, Allow us to have that great experience because there's a principle behind being in the house of the Lord. The Bible says his house is the house of prayer. We pray more in here than we do probably any place else. His house exudes his presence. Oh, there is delightful fellowship in his house. There is renewing, refreshing, and strengthening in his house. In his house, he is the host. Therefore, whatever is needful, he is responsible to make it happen. This is his house. Remember what I told you? Here's a little bit of help. Remember I told you, I preach this message all the time, where a lot of times we're struggling in our relationship with God. We have the Holy Spirit. We've been baptized in Jesus' name and all of those, thi all of those things. But what happens is we are still in control of our life. And because we're still in control of our life, God is saying, do whatever you want. Since you're in control, I can't mess with you. And so many Christians have experienced or are not experiencing what you could from the Lord because you're in charge. You decide when you do things. You decide how you do things. Even when you know the word, you still decide how you proceed in, in fulfilling the word. And God is saying, okay, I'll let you do you. And in order for God to do great things in our life, he has to become the host of our life. So when he becomes the host, instead of me saying, I don't feel like going to the house tonight, I said, God, I'm going to your house. Because I know that's what you want. 
That's the difference. The difference is when God is hosting you, when God is Lord in your life, you ask permission. When God is Lord in your life, you let him do what he wants and you just go with the flow. That's how you become blessed beyond you can, you can ever even imagine. That's how situations get worked out in your life. But when you decide, even though you're a Christian, filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized in his name, as long as you keep control, eh, you're living beneath your privileges. So, here's the little bit of escape, the little bit of wiggle room you have. Come here. Because when you come here, he's going to do stuff here because it's his house that he has control over. That from this pulpit, we're letting him do what he wants. And this pulpit is the authority in this house. Uh-huh. You didn't know that? That's how God operates. He always uses leader. We can like it or we don't like it. This is why sometimes it's interesting when we decide, I don't like this church, I got to go to another church. A lot of times we don't like churches because we don't like the leader. Mm -hmm. A lot of times we like the leader of the church, we're going to stay. Even when sometimes the people get on your nerves. We, We stay because we like the leader. But if you leave the church because of the leader, wherever you're going again, it can be the same thing. You know, remember I told you how false religion starts. I told you how false religion starts, right? CJ, good to see you tonight. You know how false religion starts, CJ? You go into church, you come in here, you come in here, and I'm preaching good and I'm preaching good, and you keep saying, yeah, man, he be speaking the truth, because all of it, somehow, you were agreeing with it. And then finally, I preached something hard, and man, that went against how you felt. And you start pondering, I ain't like that. I don't even know if that's really in the Bible. I got to go look at that. And then you start talking to other people and they say, oh, yeah, that ain't really necessary. And before you know it, you're looking for another church because one day something was said that you didn't like. And so you go find some place that don't preach that. That's how we that's how people roll. I'm just telling you how we go. People roll like that. And so you got to ask yourself, is that how I'm going to roll? Because. If you have a real bona fide relationship with God, you don't worry about not a thing. No, you don't worry about it because you know God's going to take care of you. God's going to minister to you. God is going to give you what you need and, and God will feed you all that you need. You just have to trust God. And so it's important that we enjoy or we come into the house of God. David thought it was very important to be in the house of the Lord. And we have to stop and ask ourselves, how important is it? And church, we just got to be honest with ourselves. I don't know how to, you know, you know, I I sometimes, you know, broach this topic a little bit because some of you all that know me might say, well, you, you, you not, you don't have the same job like I have. And that's true. But if, if you would be bold enough, if you think your circumstance, 
Because sometimes it's just a decision we have made. But if you feel like your circumstance is getting in the way of how you live for God, why don't you go boldly to God and say, God, I don't like this circumstance. It's getting in my way. I want to be in the house of the Lord every time there's something going on. I want to be there. So whether it's Wednesday night, whether it's Sunday morning, whether it's some additional things throughout the week, I want to be there. And this is getting in my way. But we don't go, we don't want to do that because if we do that, we're afraid how God is going to do it. Why are we afraid of what God will do for us? Because God loves us so much that you think he's going to make you suffer to just suffer? If you have a, a, a situation where you need God to work it out, sometimes God do take, take you, you know, one step back to take you five steps forward. But you can't worry about that. You got to know that once you turn it over to Jesus, he will take care of it. You can't be afraid to bring it to God and say, God, I don't like my situation. Y'all, I told y'all my situation before. Three jobs. And I realized if I was going to be a child of God and be a real Christian, I could not work three jobs. But the three jobs, the money together, I was enjoying. And guess what? I had to give up a couple of the jobs. I needed the job that afforded me the time to spend with the Lord. I'm right there right now today. Can you imagine? God did all of that and, you know, the one job paid more than all three jobs put together. And I'm, so I'm great. But I'm at the place now that I'm saying to God, I need to spend more time with you to lead your folks. And so now I'm wrestling within myself. I've got my timetable in my mind. I don't know if that's the Lord's timetable, but I'm just, I'm, in, I'm at that place. Because I refuse to allow anything in my life to ever get, the, get, get more of me than God. Just saying. We just got to make those tough decisions. But the good news is God will open the doors when we, when we make up in our heart and mind, God, this is what I want to do for you. I want to do this for you. I want my relationship with you to be like this. I want to know you in a more intimate way. I want to be more effective in your kingdom. Whatever you've called me to do, whatever talents and abilities that you have given me, I want to fulfill everything that you call me to do, Lord. And right now, as I stand my situation, it's not allowing me. I need you to open some doors so I can do that. Nothing wrong with that. Now you just have to be confident and bold and says, as you open those doors, you got to walk through them and not worry about this and not worry about that. Because any door that God opens for you, it will be better than the one that you're coming from. Trust me. Mm -hmm. In Psalms 26 and 8, the word of God says, Lord, I have loved the habitation of thy house. You hear that? David said, I love the habitation of your house. And the place where thine honor dwelleth. The house of the Lord is significant, but it all comes back to how do you see it? How do you see it? How do you see the house of the Lord? Is it just, hey, you know, we're just going for uh, a service? Uh, are we just going just to see each other? Let me tell you, it's more than that to the house of God. It's more than just uh, someone speaking God's word. And, you know, I've always believed that God will always use a servant to give me an answer. And can I tell you this? God's answer 
is not always the answer I was looking for. God's answer is not always the answer I was looking for. But I can't say he God when he's right, when, when I like his answer, but he ain't God when he give me an answer I don't like. Because that's kind of how we roll. As long as God is saying stuff and doing stuff we enjoy, that's God. And as soon as something gets spoken that kind of goes against what we like, we got to go, I got to go search the scripture about that one. I'm not sure if he's saying the right thing right there. <laughs> I got to go study that one out. I'm not, I'm not sure. <laughs> David didn't close his eyes. Listen, uh, sometimes we read the Bible and we think that, well, that was just a different time. And, well, you know, their life was just a lot different. Let me tell you this. You You can ask whoever you want. Go far back as you can. Life has always been life. Let me say that again. Life has always been life. Children were being born since Adam and Eve. People had to labor to eat and to feed their family. Life has always been life. People were not having always good relationships. Life was always life. So to, 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 to say sometimes that, oh, you know, it was just different back in those days. It was, but life was still life. And the same impact life had on them back then is the same impact life is having on us today. It might be in a different way, but life is still life. To take away from them to say, oh, you know, it was just different for them and what we're dealing with is so much difficult. Well, how do you know? If we were living in that time, you know, how do you know? I heard one time, here's, here's some wisdom. I remember one time, Brother uh, Bishop Bernard was preaching about, you know, how, you know, in, in the kingdom of God, uh, they they allowed you know prejudice and certain behavior to persist in um, certain movements, and he was like, you know, I want to think that if I was living in back in those times, I wouldn't allow that. I would do something differently from that. He says, I want to believe that I will, but can I stand here and tell you I would? No, because culture that you live in at the time sometimes just kind of had the best of you. So it's hard to really say sometimes, oh, I, if I was living in those days. Because I see us doing the same thing like Israel did back then. What did Israel did back then? Whenever God was blessing them and things were good, they sinned. And when they started going through struggles and hard times, they started praying. Did that change? Did that change? Did that change? When as long as things are good, we throw a little something here and there to God, eh, you know, and, and we keep rolling. But it's not until we feel like everything is falling apart and everything is wrong that we start crying out, God help us. We do it all the time. We're rolling up on the, the anniversary of 9-11. When 9-11 took place, what happened? Didn't all the churches get full? We do it still. So to, say, to, 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 to think that we can say we're from where we are today, oh, if I was living back then, it would be different. Mm, I think that's not being wise. That, that's not being wise. We probably would have did the same thing they did back then. We just need to thank God that we're living now and we're more, you know, ahead of the curve and we have more understanding and things are a lot different. Because when Martin Luther King preached that, that message about I had a dream, boy, it was still a mess way back then. And today we are better off, but it's still not what he thought it would be still. It's not there yet. So we can't deceive ourselves in thinking, if it was in my day, 
If I was back in their day, it would be different. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. And so David didn't close his eyes to his circumstances around him. Rather, he looked by faith. And that's what it's always about. No matter what you're looking at, no matter what's going on, we have to evaluate it from the perspective of faith. Uh huh. The Lord was everything David needed. He was everything to David. And so David penned these Psalms in, in such special way because he was talking about his personal interactions, his personal life with Christ, his personal relationship. No matter what the tactics the enemy may, may have used, David knew, I'd be good if I just dwell in the house of the Lord. I've said this many times and I'll say it again. When you are walking in your purpose, if you know God has called you to do something and you're doing it, man, when you get sick, you kind of just brush it off. Some people get sick and they're worrying like they're going to die. If you live in your purpose, you get sick, you say, I'm good. I'm going to be fine. Because I know I'm walking in my purpose and I'm only just getting started or I'm just in the middle of it. And so guess what? I know no matter what, I'm going to be fine because I'm in my purpose. That David is teaching us that, that when you are in the presence of the Lord, when you're dwelling in the house of God, you don't have to worry about your enemy. We don't need to think about Satan. You know, people like that, oh, the devil is coming after me. I don't care. Let him come. My focus is on the Lord. My focus is worshiping the Lord. My focus is serving the Lord. And as long as I serve him, as long as I focus on him, the devil can't do nothing to me that will prevail. What do you think? The Lord is going to let the devil thought his plan? Not possible. Even just out of the Lord says, saying I'm all powerful, he's going to make sure the devil don't stop you. Because you're serving the Lord. And if, and if the devil can stop you, the devil is going to say, see, I stopped the plan of God. You think God going to let the devil walk around and say, he stopped the plan of God? Okay. So you need to just get into the plan of God. Because the devil can't stop the plan of God. The secret of David's public confidence was his private obedience. The secret of David's public confidence was his private obedience. He took time to fellowship with the Lord and he got directions from him. I got to be honest. I put myself in this category. I just believe that God wants to speak to us and give us answers, but we don't spend enough time with him. I really do. I really do. I believe God wants to give us so many answers to so many the things that we're dealing with, God will give us the answers, but we, you know, we're just on the, we're on the move. We don't give time. We don't, we don't spend the time with God in, in prayer, in our communion with him and wait for him to talk to us, meditate on him and says, God, I still didn't hear from you and I don't want to go and do anything until you tell me what to do. We don't spend the time and wait for the Lord to speak back to us. We're saying it, but we're on the move. Why are we so busy for the Lord? Help me, Jesus. Help me, Lord. In the ancient Near East, when a visitor entered his host's tent, the host was personally responsible for his protection and provision 
And this flimsy tent became a fortress for David and so many others. Listen, when we place ourselves in God's hands and we serve the Lord with all of our heart and we make sure everything that the Lord is requiring of us, we fulfill. We don't have to worry about our enemy overtaking us. We don't have to worry about our situation not just prevailing over us. God will take care of us if we will just trust him and remain in his temple, remain in the church, and and as the church, meet in the house of God. David came away from his times of worship feeling strengthened and seeing above and beyond the enemy to the victory God had prepared for him. And so it is very important to, we will, we will be less tired if we will take more time with God than to just be on the go. When we spend time with God, everything else just work a little easier. When we spend time with God, we just seem to have the answers to the things that we encounter. And it just seems like a breeze because of the times that we spend with God. He is revealing things to us. He has given us understanding of how he does things. And we will always be able to know how to respond because of the way God shows us his ways. The ways of God is very, very important. I told you many times about the ways of God. It keeps you in a place where you understand what God is saying in the scripture when you understand the ways of God. God just continues to, he, he operates by his principles. They never change. He might do things differently, but his principles are still the same. You learn the ways of God, you will understand when God is at work and when God is not at work. When people commit to a single pursuit, they stop at nothing to see their dream fulfilled. It becomes an obsession. But we don't have an obsession because we have a hundred things going on at the same time. And because we have a hundred things going on at the same time, we don't have one desire. We don't have one obsession. And the Bible already told us no man can serve two masters. So once we have more than one situation going on, more than one desire is going on, we've already put ourselves in a compromising situation because it's very difficult to navigate how you pursue anything with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul and strength because there's too many other things that you're worrying about. One desire. Not a whole bunch. Not two, not three. One. One great desire. One great desire. It became an obsession to David. We, we, we should, let me just say this in case we miss it. David had one great desire. But what did David accomplish in his life? Let me just make sure that y'all clear on that. Because sometimes we think, well, if I just focus on this one thing, uh, how am I going to fulfill my purpose? How am I going to do what God wants me to do? David had one desire, but what did David become? King. David, David, David made impactful 
effective works that God did through him. But all he had was one desire. So don't you be discouraged and thinking, man, preacher, I hear you on that one desire, but God has great things in store for me. He does. But God want to do great things through me. He does. But it starts with one great desire. We have to say, I can't be worried about two and three and four and five different things. One great desire. What is that one great desire you have of the Lord? Can't be a whole lot. You will get lost. David, one desire was an obsession. If you have one desire, it will become an obsession for you. He had a single purpose, to dwell in the presence of the Lord forever. To seek God's face is to seek God's presence. David desire one thing. We wish for too many things. Uh-huh. We have not narrowed our desire down to the single pursuit of our life. I've said it before. Mariah, Sister Mariah, you don't have to worry. You can go and get your college degree and graduate with honors and go on to do great things in the secular, but it don't take a whole lot of desire. It just takes one desire from God. God is so good that when you get locked in on him, he will allow you to go through and do multiple things. But the one desire is where it all starts and where it all springs from. But if you keep the single focus of that one desire, God will do great things in your life. I'm speaking from experience. I, my kids, my oldest son, he, you know, he always got something to say about, um, <laughs> about back in the day me living for God. Man, Brother Wayne, that's when Brother Wayne was just, he couldn't see nothing else. So I got him to remind me of I only had one focus. That's who reminds me. So, so even though I know that's probably how I pursued God all my life is one single focus, that is to know the Lord, one single focus to understand who he is, one single focus to just be who the Lord wants me, just, just be in Christ, one single focus. I just want to be in Christ. Everything else springs from that. And the kids don't let me forget that the two oldest ones, they let me know that's just how it was. I didn't have no focus on a whole lot of things. So I can relate to David, is what I'm telling you. One thing. We wish for, for too many things. We have not narrowed our desire down to the single pursuit of life. Our life is filled with seeking this for a while and that for a while. But the man and woman who is after God's own heart narrowed his or her pursuit to one great desire, one single focus. If we're going to just, you know, for a while, because that's kind of how we are, because uh, uh, it's easier in these times to recover from, from a bad mistake than it is 20 years ago. 20 years ago, you had a bad mistake. It's hard to recover from that. Today, you can make some mistakes and you can recover from them easy, easy because of just where we are in society. And so we, we start out pursuing this and then we say, all right, I'm done with that. And we pursue that and we pursue that. And we're pursuing a whole lot of things. And guess what? We'll catch God on the back end. 
one single pursuit of the Apostle Paul. Watch this. Just like David. The Apostle Paul longed to know Jesus Christ. Not just in a casual way, but in a more profound manner, beyond an intellectual understanding. Paul desired to know Jesus Christ progressively, experiment in an experienced way and in an intimate way. Once Paul encountered Jesus on the Damascus Road, he sought to know everything about Jesus. Uh huh. What? Watch this. This is very good. Paul wanted to know what pleased the Lord Jesus. Paul wanted to know what displeased him, just like David. He tried to follow the Lord Jesus with all his heart. Do we know what pleased the Lord and what don't please him? Here is one that I'm always going to throw in. The, 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 the folks, those of us, here is, oh my goodness, uh, How many of you want your child to obey you just because you're their parent? How many of you like for your child to, to, to do the things that they do because, you know what, I guess I have to do it because I'm under your roof? How many of you want that? And that's probably one of the biggest things I see with Christians that kind of, agitate me because I'm living for God. And that is we we don't want to go the extra mile for God. We don't want to go the extra mile for God. Our way of doing things is well, if that ain't necessary, I don't see why we got to do it. That's how we do it. But David and Paul, they wanted to know what pleased God and what didn't please them. And if they narrowed that down, they would know, if I go the extra mile, does it please him? It sure does. If I just do the minimum, does it please him? And that's something we have to ask ourselves. If I do the minimum, is God pleased? It's, 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 there are some things to me that are just, they're so minuscule of just what makes sense and we just, I feel like, how do we skip over that? How do we not understand that why not do that? Why is it so important that if it's not that significant, we don't need to do it? Why don't we find ourselves at a place where we say in ourselves, I want to impress God. Mm. We, we, We try to impress our bosses at work. We try to impress our coaches. We try to impress our professors. We try to impress people that we think can help us get further ahead. We try to impress them so we will always try to go a little extra for them. We'll always try to do a little bit more with them. And then we get to the word of God and we say, "Ah, I don't think that's all necessary. I don't know. To me, it's just so minor. Like, how do we find ourselves... Even having that conversation within our mind, how? God has been good to us. David and Paul and so many of these men of God, they wanted to go the extra mile. David danced before the Lord till his clothes came off of him and he was the king. That was a no-no. No-no. Yes, was that necessary?
necessary. Let, let me start here. Was that necessary? Because dancing before the Lord is fine. But dancing before the Lord till your clothes come off, was that necessary? Come on, church. Please. It's, it, I don't need to talk about some things sometimes because to me it's like, it's just, it's, it's so trivial. I'm like, really? In my mind. I don't even say nothing about it because I look at our life and I'm seeing that we kind of do things in a hypocritical way. Because if I'm going to try to impress my coach, I'm going to impress my boss at work, I'm going to impress, you know, my, my professor, I'm going to impress, you know, um, whoever I need to impress because I believe that if I do, it's going to put me just a little bit ahead of everybody else. If we do that in the natural, why would we hold back from God? Maybe, maybe I'm missing something. Y'all can tell me after church that, nah, because the reason why we do that, preacher, because maybe I'm missing something. Because, because... Yeah, okay, so we do the minimal, guess what? There's a scripture that says, if you sow sparingly, I know I'm not crazy what I'm saying. If we sow sparingly, we reap sparingly. If we sow bountifully, how much more should we want to reap the bountifulness of God? Uh, I lost y'all. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me just finish up. I lost y'all. Y'all don't like when I get into y'all business like that. Y'all don't like that. Y'all don't like when I start telling truth. That's just like, you know, just no big deal that we should be past. Y'all be like, man, come on, let's get off of that and get in some deep word. I want to get in some deep word sometime, but I'm saying there's a lot of, how are we going to move forward when there's a lot of just simple things that we have not done yet? Paul once encountered the Lord on the road to Damascus, encountered the Lord on the road to Damascus, and he sought to know everything about God. After that, we too need to seek God with an unquenchable, an unquenchable love for Him, not out of a sense of obligation. We don't need to serve the Lord out of a sense of obligation. I was watching that, that, that clip that Brother Hasker sent to the ministers today, and the, um, Woodward quoted one of my favorite texts, that we must not keep his commandments grievously. It's, there's little things that just stick with me, that, 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 that when we keep the Lord's commandment as a burden, God don't like that. We're trying to keep his commandments. We're trying to do minimal things because to us, we're showing him like, God, that's a burden to me. And so to keep God's commandments grievously, you're keeping it like it's a burden to you. And God already said, my yoke is easy and my burden are light. So why are we making God's word and his commandments like a burden to us? And we're trying to figure out every way how to skirt some of the stuff that God has said because nowadays in 21st century, it's not that important. That's what some of us said. I didn't say that. So we don't need to seek the Lord in a se- with a sense of obligation, nor just for duty. But we must seek the Lord to know him, to walk with him, and to fellowship with him after all. Isn't that what we're going to do in heaven? <laughs> Are we planning to go to heaven? I read in the Bible that when we get to heaven, we're going to be worshiping the Lord, saying, holy, holy, holy. The Lord our God is holy. If we're going to do that, shouldn't we get our practice going right now? So when we get there, it's just how we roll. 
The word seek in the original text means to long for, to yearn for, to search for with great care, urgency and frequency. It is not a momentarily a momentary thing, but a constant pursuit. That's what seek means. I'm finishing I'm finishing here. Make your desire one great desire. Not a whole lot. We don't need we don't need to focus. A lot of times people focus on I want to know my purpose in God. What should I do in the church? One focus. One focus. If you make God your pursuit, all the questions that we have been having, you will get the answers for them when God becomes your desire. When God becomes your pursuit. When the Lord Jesus is your everything, you will need nothing. When the Lord Jesus is your everything, you will need nothing. Uh, Hear me real good. Hear me real good. We can do well while we're living here on the earth. But when we die, we have to give, we have to give an account for how we lived our life. So we can live good all we want on the earth without Christ. But the day we leave this earth, we will have to give an account for our life. But when Jesus is your everything, whether you're living or you're dead, he still reigns in your life. But if Jesus is only your something, then there's going to be times in your life where he won't be present and where you, what you need, it won't happen because he's not always your everything. One desire. One desire. The Lord. We don't have to desire for the big house. Remember, my God, it's time to stop. Remember, what did Solomon ask the Lord for? He says, Lord, I just want wisdom so I can know how to handle your people, your people. I don't need nothing else. And God says, because you asked for the right thing, the one thing, oh, God help us. He asked for one thing, God gave him everything. You follow? I'm showing you how the ways of God work. We sometimes get caught up in trying to understand. No, God have a way, a principle of how he conducts his ways and how he does things. And when we seek after him and make him the one desire, everything else will get taken care of. If God is your everything, you will have need of nothing And so let me finish here. The desire of David was intense. One thing, says he, have I desired. How impressive these one things of the Bible are. There's a method to the madness. I just gave you Solomon. But watch this. Martha was comforted about many things. But one thing was needful, and that was to worship at his feet. The rich young ruler, guess what? He had everything. He did not lack anything except one thing, and that was to take up his cross and follow Jesus. (laughs) Apostle Paul had a lot going on as he was intensely going about preaching the gospel. But he said, One thing I do, 
forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. One thing. One thing. We don't need to have a whole lot of things. One thing. Pursue Jesus Christ. Pursue an intimate relationship with him. Pursue knowing him. Pursue obeying him, understanding what pleases him and what don't please him. That's what we pursue. Psalms 27 and 4 that we read earlier. One thing I have desire. One thing have I desired of the Lord and that will I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire. Let's condense our desires. To one great desire. That is the Lord. Everything else will take care of itself. He will give you answers to everything that you need. Because the, David showed us that. That if, if you would just pursue the Lord. And you will abide in his presence. Guess what? You can inquire of him. And he will give you answers. So, so instead of pursuing answers. Pursue the Lord. Instead of pursuing blessings, pursue the Lord. Instead of pursuing what am I called to do, pursue the Lord. I had no clue when I started this journey what my purpose was. Nobody was able to tell me what my purpose was. But I pursued the Lord. And he, the Lord was the one that revealed to me way down the road what my purpose was because I did not know but I pursued him and so I'm here to tell you like David, like Paul like so many people in text in the scriptures make your pursuit one thing let's stand one thing one great desire not two and not three and when you pursue him and him alone everything else will begin to take place, unfold. Everything will come into its place because he makes all things right. He works everything out. It's in him that we live and move and have our being. He sets everything in order. If we just pursue him, we don't have anything else to worry about. Father, help us tonight, Lord, that the word that you have spoken into our hearing, we will take it. We will apply it, Lord God. That, Lord, in our prayers moving forward, oh, God, we will pursue you. <laughs> in our reading of the scripture, we will desire to know you. In all that we do, Lord God, we have narrowed down our focus to one great thing, and that is to pursue you. That is to know you. That is to have fellowship with you. That is to abide in your presence. That's what we have narrowed down our focus, Lord God, to. This one great thing. And I pray tonight that each and every person under the sound of my voice will hear, oh God, as you have spoken into their hearing, will respond with a resounding 
yes, will respond in obedience to the word of God and become doers of the word and not hearers only. I pray tonight, Father, that no person will leave out of here, oh God, with any other mindset other than the mindset to say, I've narrowed down my pursuit. I've narrowed down my focus to one great thing, and that is to pursue the Lord. That is to know Him. That is to abide in His presence, to abide in His temple, to know Him intimately, to have experience with Him, to be able, Almighty God, to serve You in Your temple, Almighty God. I pray tonight, Lord, that the blessings of the Lord, oh God, will overtake us from a perspective of knowing You. Help us, Almighty God. Help us, Almighty God. Let Your will be done, Almighty God, in us. We want your will to be done. We give you praise and honor, Lord. We thank you tonight, Lord, for bringing us together. We thank you tonight, Lord God, for your goodness. Lord, bless us as we go from this place. Let your hands be upon us, Lord. Let your face shine upon us and be gracious unto us as we give you praise, glory, and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you for your time. Have a wonderful rest of your night. Give to our building fund if you can. Come here, Sister Mariah. Come here, let me pray for you. You came out tonight on your own. And I know that you have to be a, a grown-up now. I know you got good Herbie on your side. Cause you know, Herbie loves his baby girl. But still, he's not there with you all the time. And you're going to have to do some things on your own. You're going to make some decisions because that's just, you won't have the time. And this is just what it is. You got to do it. Maybe later on you'll call your parents and say, hey, I did this. But at the time, you're going to have to be grown up enough to say, this is probably the best thing that I got to do. So I'm going to pray that God give you wisdom and keep you. Father, I pray for Mariah tonight. That Lord, in her endeavor to, oh God, get a higher education, that you will give her wisdom that you will give her knowledge and understanding. I pray, Father, that she will mature in a quick, in a rapid way, Lord God. Lord, give her insight. I pray that the Spirit of the Lord will guide her and lead her, Lord God. Help her, Lord God, to be great in her studies, Lord God. Let her be, oh God, your instrument that you can work to, work through. A light, Lord God, that will shine bright before her, her, her colleagues, Almighty God. I pray, Father, that you will show her great favor and that, Lord, that you will protect her and that you will keep her and that, Lord, no weapon formed against her will prosper and that you will keep her safe, Lord God. Help her to finish up her, oh God, education and come back home safely, Lord God. We give you the praise and the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. <laughs> The Lord, I see, I just see Sister Crystal, so she made me, re- I'm, I'm reminded, this Sunday at 345, we need some help. Um, we've got 62 young people here that's, you know, uh, we have um, young people having a game time where they will come out and play games, but their friends from school are coming out, and this is a great opportunity to reach their friends, to show the love of God. And so we need some help in order to make this thing go seamlessly. So if you can be here this Sunday at about 345, 330 best, 
and help out. It won't be long. We would really appreciate that because they really need help.